Welcome to Energy Matters in the Classroom with Robin Berlinski. This is the show that highlights and celebrates the kinetic and potential energy in classrooms across the globe and why it matters. We're heard nationally on your favorite podcast sites where you'll also find a library of all of our shows. And if you happen to live in Charleston, South Carolina, we're heard Sunday mornings at 8 a.m. on the iconic 1250 WTMA with the invaluable assistance of John Quincy. And here she is. Now, maybe you have to change this. I call you a force of nature. Do you like that or do I need to change it? Oh, I love being a force force of nature. nature. Okay, that's all I needed to hear. Robin Berlinski, (laughs) welcome to your show, Robin. Thank you. Let's do some business before we bring in our special guest. Absolutely. So, as you know, um, if you're listening on the radio, we do have a podcast. I'd love you to find us anywhere you listen, but also... Follow me on Instagram, Robin underscore Berlinski. There's all kinds of fun giveaways and contests, and you can win prizes. And also Facebook, The Learning Ring. Outstanding. All right, today's special guest, and again, you always bring such great guests into the studio, Lauren Herderick. Did I get that right? He did. Excellent. Lauren believes, this is your bio, and let me read all of this because it's very important for the context of today's show. Lauren believes after-school and summer programs are an important space, both for child development and for alleviating educational inequality. Very important. As the executive director of Kids on Point, Lauren is committed to building strong partnerships with students and their families. She's an ardent proponent of working in collaboration with community members and other nonprofits to produce successful outcomes for every student. Lauren's background is in public health, fundraising and grant writing, and she has extensive experience in the nonprofit sector, including work with Operation Home, Camp Happy Days, the Kennedy Center, and the Children's Museum of the Low Country, where she served on the board of directors. Lauren is also, or has also, served on the Charleston County School Board from 2020 to 2022, and boy, would I like to have just a show about that. Uh, Lauren, you live in Charleston with your husband, Morgan, your two daughters, Baylor and James, and welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. I'm well, excited. Robin gets all the I'm credit. excited. We uh, we have so much to talk about, but I want to start by teeing this up a little bit. Um, according to America after 3 p.m., because you're talking about after school, Ron, we're going to get into that in a minute with Lauren. Demand for after school programs continues to grow. And today, about 10.2 million children participate in after school programs. And sadly, there are another 19.4 million children who would participate if a program were available. So think about that. 10.2 million do participate. 19.4 million would like to participate. So a majority of school-aged children either are or want to be in an after-school program. So these are really important. And we have a great organization here in South Carolina called the South Carolina After School Alliance. And they say that out-of-school time programs are an essential component of keeping kids safe, inspiring learning, and helping working families With so much benefit to be gained, it's important that out-of-school time programs understand and implement research-based best practices. And today, what I'm excited about is Lauren is a longtime friend, but also a colleague in the after-school and out-of-school time spaces, summer also. And she runs a great program called Kids on Point, which a few years ago was Chucktown Squash. And we partnered with them, Engaging Creative Minds, partnered with them at the College of Charleston. We had these really cool camps and the kids were just so engaged and there was so much we did learned about squash, which I had never known. Do you play squash? No, I used to play racquetball, which is okay, close. Kind of close, yeah, right? It just is close. No racket. Yeah. Um, but before we get into this, because the after school, like running an after school and summer program is a very unique job. Like, I don't think, do people go to college to be an after school director? I don't, I don't think so. So 
Tell us about your journey, Lauren. Where did you start? And then, you know, even as low as elementary school, were you always excited to be like kind of an education? No, I really didn't start in education. And I think if I would have known I would have been an executive director, I would have taken a lot more classes in college from business to public administration, grant writing, finance, finance, all the things. You're kind of the chef and the bottle washer at the same time. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So I actually moved to Charleston during the recession in um, 2009 for an internship. Ended up meeting my husband here. I've been doing some grant writing on the side because I learned that um, through my studies at Georgia Southern and ended up meeting just a phenomenal man and mentor who founded Kids on Point and was the board chairman at the time and came in initially from a fundraising capacity writing grants and then just fell in love with the model, fell in love with the kids and the rest is history and it's grown and expanded since then. For us, really that overarching theme beyond athletics or academics is exposing kids to new things, broadening their world, broadening their perspectives. And um, what I find unique about our program is that we start with kids in elementary school, we follow them through middle, high school, and then post-secondary. So we actually have our first group that have graduated from college and are in careers at this point, and they're coming back and volunteering with the organization. And it just makes my heart happy to see their growth coming in and me getting to know them when they were fifth or sixth graders. Wow. Because that's when I started. I wasn't the original ED. There were several before me. Um, and to see them now as young, thriving adults, it just comes full circle. And that's I, cool. I love that. But no, it wasn't. I originally wanted to go to med school. Wow. So, so in 2009, what was your internship? Uh, with a uh, HIV AIDS clinic here locally. So very different. Very different. Wow. Which I loved as well. The outreach component, being able to talk to people, you you kind of find that niche and um, that connection with folks is what I love. Well, so how did you make the connection to what you're doing now? Who inspired you to, to jump in? So I started writing some grants part-time for Operation Home, and they do critical um, repairs um, for, for underserved people throughout our community. And the founder of that organization also founded Kids on Point um, through a Liberty Fellowship program. Mm. And he came in and took a chance on me and spent five years plus still very, very close. I talked to him, if not weekly, um, every two weeks. And he mentored me. He guided me. He showed me how to fundraise. He showed me how to run programming. And I just am so fortunate to have him in my life and him investing in me to see that growth because I had no experience at that point in time as an executive director. Can we mention his name? We can. Todd Abaddon. He's um, he's local. He's been here for 30 years and he and his wife are just yeah. phenomenal individuals. Emily is big in the arts. Yes. And, um, I've met with her several times, very supportive of education, helping yep. other kids. You know, they have children themselves, but yep. helping other families. Great great philanthropic Um, family. They're incredible. I just cannot speak highly enough of of both of them. I should mention too, the grant writing is an art. People people don't know. It just sounds so simple, but oh boy, it's a whole artistic style and you've got to, you got to be on point. And no two are the same. You can't even copy and paste a grant from one funder to another. It's all different. 
It's yeah. crazy. Now, is this something you were doing before you joined that organization, or you had to learn on the fly, so to speak? No, it was something that a professor taught me in college. Mm -hmm. And so um, at that point in time, you're, I was exploring what that avenue was going to be, potentially medical school. Of course, I landed here in the recession, and um, and and just love, I started in our, on the board with the Children's Museum and just really fell in love with the nonprofit space, the outreach, and um, ultimately the kids at Kids on Point, the families at Kids on Point. And so where did you grow there. up when you say you moved here in 2009 from where? So I grew up in a small town in Georgia, a one red light town um, called Reynolds, Georgia. It's about 45 minutes from Macon, Georgia, which is, is central. And, so that's uh, the big city when you're living with huge city, <laughs> huge making making Georgia. Yeah, that's, yeah. That's I love that. Yeah, that's so it, talk yeah. about some of your teachers. Did anyone really have high energy and inspire you to even think about education in your future or helping kids in any way? Yeah, you have those people that invest in you. I think that I have a different style of learning. I'm very visual, and I think education can sometimes put kids in these these blocks of this is how you're supposed to learn. This is how you're supposed to perform. I had some ADHD growing up and had two teachers in particular that, that realized my learning style and invested in me. And that's how I progressed through. And, you know, those are important people to have in your lives to realize and have that light bulb go off of like, okay, I'm not, I'm not failing at this. I just learn in a different way. Wow. So you can really relate to some of the kids you serve. Yeah, I think we have to be innovative. And yeah. I think kids are hands-on and, and they want to learn in different ways. And, you know, unfortunately, there's not a, a lot of autonomy in teaching anymore. There's a lot of teaching to a test, and it, which drives me nuts. And um, and you do have those teachers that think out of the box and really expire, inspire students to, to look beyond the classroom at, at what they potentially want to do. Tell us about um, Kids on Point. So what is yeah. a typical, is it every day for a week? Like talk yeah. to us about who's coming and what you, what it looks like. Yep. So we are CCSD bus stop. We partner with the College of Charleston since 2010, and they have been a phenomenal partner. We have roughly 70 undergraduate students that volunteer with us and mentor the students on a weekly basis. So they're, they're bused in either by a bright, blue kids on point bus because the white van was not cool we we you were, have your own bus yes oh we, i'm jealous we, wow. we we did not have street cred until we were we, we wrapped the bus <laughs> so so now they're excited to get to get on the bus i love it um and we bus them to the college of charleston they're working with mentors in the academic space we do a lot of literacy programming both in math and reading but it's very hands-on learning we Collaboration, as you read my bio, is just a huge belief of mine. There's not one organization that can do it all. We partner with organizations like the Low Country Food Bank, who pro provide our meals and snacks. Robin and I kicked it off with partnering for summer programming, and then we expanded to our own as the student numbers grew. And then we work with about 20 other nonprofits throughout the year and in the summer to provide those kids with those vital exposure opportunities. Um, so, I mean, that's just an incredible outlet for the kids to really dive in and kind of figure out their interests. We also have athletic programming. So we're doing some squash, we're doing some pickleball, 
we integrate golf and lacrosse and swim and all of that in the summer because every kid has a different interest. There's not, there's not going to be a one shoe fits all. So we've tried to be innovative in that and really go with that mission of ensuring that all kids are thriving. And to do that is different exposures, is different collaboration. Um, so no day is the same. It's always organized chaos. I love it. We have basically third through 12th graders on campus. And then in the summer, we expand down to pre-K to serve, uh, yes, uh, to serve kind of whole families. So K through eighth grade, we have in traditional summer programs, we're doing field trips. We have certified teachers and program counselors in the classroom doing the hands-on academic work. And then we place high schoolers in first jobs and internships. So very cool experiences. Um, We're also doing a program, a one week long kind of summer program with high school students, uh, rising sophomores called Charleston Civil Rights and Civics. And we're partnering um, with uh, Leslie Scarden, who kind of develop the curriculum around this. So that's going to be a new exciting program that we're integrating in this summer. But yeah, it's all about keeping the kids active, fun, engaged in learning. And we ban worksheets and we ban movies. Woohoo! <laughs> you See, know, I love that. Robin taught me uh, a phrase uh, some years ago that I haven't heard yet, but I'm assuming learning loss is part of the reason yeah. for these after school and summer programs. That's right. Yeah. Um, you know, COVID was huge. We we had college let us get back in operation in October of 2020. We did something called Camp in the Bag throughout the summer where we were delivering hands-on kits to the kids. And then they were Zooming in with us to complete those activities. We were able to start back with them in person, really helping through virtual school. And the majority of our students didn't start back to school until January of 2021. Mm. The learning loss, not to mention normally from the majority of statistics, kids are losing about two to three months of learning within those, those summer, that summer period. Is it more than that? I, the Wallace um, Foundation does a lot of studies on the learning loss. Like yeah. reading and math have two different... Yeah. And it depends on what grade you're in because, you know, by fifth grade, now you've lost those six years, kindergarten right. through fifth yeah. grade, and it, it starts to accumulate, yeah. and then you really see the big difference. Um, speaking of the Wallace Foundation, I want to share, they published a report um, recently. It's called SEL plus OST equals perfect together. So SEL, social and emotional learning, and then OST is out of school time. And it talks about all the great opportunities for kids, like you were saying, it's not about the worksheets. It's not about let's do your homework and then watch a movie. It's about let's experience some things Mm -hmm. like you were saying, pickleball and swimming and different things. And then just being together, that social emotional learning, as you know, the pandemic isolated everyone. And these kids are coming out of it, sometimes not even knowing how to talk to each other they need opportunities to just sit and be and yep. communicate and, you know, problem solve together. So I, I would imagine your program is more important than ever. Yeah. I mean, gosh, when we came back in 2020, originally in 2020 with students and really assisting them through the, that virtual learning. Um, but when we started summer programming and we serve between 150 to 200 kids, we'll have 200 kids this summer. 
um, the amount of anxiety and stress and mental health concerns that students were displaying was really concerning. Maybe the first thing we should do is take everybody's phones away. Yes. We have these cool boxes. They're like silver James Bond boxes because kids were really concerned about getting their screen scratched. So we found these boxes on Amazon and our team totes them through and they're like, look, your cell phone is going to oh be my gosh. in padding. It's no like a scratch. safety deposit box in yeah. a bank. <laughs> I mean, you're just constantly getting creative. That's smart though. We plug them up to chargers. They're going to be at 100% when the kids oh get them back. Gosh. I mean, you just... Well, you even turned that into an experience. That's yeah. like an event. It, it's not about turning your phones in. It's like, let's let's pamper your phone for yeah. a little while yeah. while you're busy. Yeah, it's going to be in this beautiful wow. lockbox. No one's going to bother it. I love it. So you have two kids, Baylor and James. Uh-huh. And do you bounce things off of them or use them as, dare I say, guinea pigs for things you want to bring into the classroom? So let me just tell you, Baylor is an 11-year-old and James is a 15-month-old. A 15-month-old? <laughs> yes, so uh, we we had the, quite the spread, uh, but the 11-year-old is is fantastic with her. Um, I mean, remember during the pandemic, I'm running Zoom calls, and she's in the background giving me the SOS <laughs> that the internet's not working, or you know, she couldn't figure out a certain platform. So you know, you're managing all of this, and it's just so difficult. And then the baby has really come in and. Uh, there's gates all over our house, and she's um, she's a ball of energy. So it, it's it's fun to manage. It is fun to kind of see the things that Baylor enjoys um, from an educational aspect. It is that hands-on learning, sporting activities, being engaged. So yeah, I mean, I think I think you run a program that you would want your child to be a part of, and that you're proud of in that way. And that's that's. I want our kids on point to me is very much a family unit. Well, that's the right answer. I mean, because yeah. you know the old expression that the cobbler's kids have yeah. no shoes because you know they right. don't yeah. make shoes for other people. Yeah. This is wonderful that yeah. your yeah. kids are as engaged as yeah. the ones uh, in the after school program. Man, the it takes a village has never been. I mean, there's no truer statement than that. I was in a school meeting this week, a school improvement committee meeting at an elementary school, and they are bringing back board games and they're putting they're doing a really cool activity I think it's like one grade level a week they get to come pick a game and there's no direction it's you open the box you read the directions Mm. you talk remember how we used the way we all used to play right and so they're getting back to that again the SEL the being together the experiences where it's not you know, running to soccer practice and running to violin and doing all the things you do after school, but it's during school sitting down and playing a board game. And I love that because it's to your point of what you were saying, it's giving them experiences. And sometimes we forget because you think you're playing, you're not learning. Like why why would you play a board game? But think about Racco or Kerplunk. I loved Kerplunk. Did you play that? Where the marbles and you play the sticks. Talk about problem solving. Um, So I love that you know, some schools are pulling back a little and saying, let's let them be, let's let them hang out together. And they're still learning. We have so much to worry about as adults. Let's let them be kids. Let's let them be kids. That's right. Is there any way to equate, you know, why this after school program has become perhaps even more important when you have in cases with two parents, they're both working, the kids come home, they're latchkey kids, they're by themselves. They don't have that stimulation and they really obviously benefit from additional time with 
age groups and learning and fun and all that stuff. Yeah, I mean, I think one, the after-school pr- space gives you the ability to be innovative. You're, you're adaptable as, as organizations that don't have these bureaucratic systems that are showing you how to operate to, to teach to a test. You can really give people autonomy to expand on their expertise. Um, I mean, the majority of our staff members were previous teachers and wanted that autonomy in teaching, wanted to be able to explore different hands-on learning techniques and build on various literacy skills, whether that was in in math or reading or writing. Um, So, you know, that's been a cool thing to watch of teachers transitioning out of that space and coming to work with us. I'm sure Robin sees the same at Engaging Creative Minds because teachers are amazing. I mean, they just have such a caring ability for students and they want them to be successful but it is not a one shoe fits all and you've got to think innovatively about it you've got to think in 21st century of the kids do have a lot of technology at their fingertips how can you integrate that in like one thing that we do in the summer kids like to play video games we're working with a program called elite gaming live and they're learning how to code video games and if they progress through a certain point Amazon will hire them. So we wow. started it last summer. That's cool. And it is, it, I mean, rave reviews. And trust me, middle schoolers will tell you very quickly if they don't like something. We need to connect her to Jim Krupe. Uh, that's what I was thinking. Yeah. Absolutely. We've got, we've got a connection for you. I have a question. Um, do you see um, Kids on Point expanding in South Carolina? And the reason I'm asking before you answer According to InformEd SC, South Carolina is behind the national average for after-school participation. So we have a challenge here in our state. We need to get our programs, which we know are quality, um, to more kids across South Carolina. What Do you have that on your radar? We do. We're, we just expanded to North Charleston. Yes. Actually. Uh, so our uh, we started in September with that program. And just wanted to make sure the quality is there and replicating a new site because we, our model is really an inch wide and a a mile deep. I mean, we're with kids very long term, supporting them. It's a lot life skills development. And um, so we've, you know, you're with anything, you're learning, you're making adjustments. And it has been a great addition to Kids on Point. And then, yeah. Where, Where are you located? So we're actually partnering directly with Allegro Charter School. Perfect. But they're going to let us expand to other schools. Uh, We piloted just the start and working with them in the the after school space. So we will look to expand. Do you find you're still getting pushback? I know that I, every time somebody has some great idea, great plan that's working, there's always somebody that's going to try to keep you from coming into their school or doing something good. Do you see that anymore? Or is it easy uh, easy to implement? I think it's all about relationships and administration changes. Mm-hmm. Teachers are changing, um, particularly in Title I schools where we're working. So it's just constantly building those relationships and those trusts that we're here, we're staying. It's the same with families. Um, you know, they come in with a need and then they see the value of the opportunities. You're, you're meeting everyone where they're at. And um, I think that trust is probably one of the more 
important factors of what we're doing at Kids on Point, the same that what, of what Robin does is engaging creative minds. And then you get that buy-in. But yeah, you're always going to get that feedback. And I think there's so much misinformation out there, even with SEL. Like for me, I, I could care less if my daughter is getting C's, D's in school. If she has great character and she is kind to people, that's what I want to see as a mom. But I think that it, we're in a very polarized world currently, and unfortunately, a lot of those really beneficial things for students are getting bad raps. Mm-hmm. And I want to add something to that too, Ron. I love that question. And Lauren, your answer with relationships is so important too with programs working together. Mm-hmm. Sometimes nonprofits, and I'm not saying here specifically, yeah. act like it's the Hunger Games. You know, like <laughs> we have to all like get out there and kill each other to get funding. But there are relationships between organizations, and Lauren and I have done this, I I can't even count how many times, where she'll send me an opportunity for a grant that doesn't apply to them, but she took, as busy as she is, takes the time to send it to me to say, this might be great for engaging creative minds. And I do the same. Like, mm-hmm. we want to lift each other. We're all here for the kids. And um, it's just relationships with our, the people we serve and the people who work with us, but also the people who work alongside us so we can lift up South Carolina together. Um, there's a, there's a um, Annie E. Casey Foundation in August of last year said South Carolina ranks 39 for how children in America are across um, four domains, how they're working, you know, economic well-being, education, health, and family and community. 39 out of 50. So we have so much work to do. We should be supporting and growing each other and partnership, you know, working in partnership as much as we can. But I do love what you do. I love Kids on Point. And I love engaging creative minds. And I can't believe you have a bus. <laughs> she has a bus. I've been saying for years I want like a Partridge family bus. I want it all the colors. I want to drive it. I want it to have music. And you got the bus. I'm so jealous. We have the bus. And then, <laughs> then in summer, we have a big yellow school bus. Oh and it's gosh, never I parked. Love it. I love it. <laughs> but sending it down downtown one, one-way street. Woo! With the horse and carriage rides. You got, oh, uh, wow. It's, it's interesting. I wouldn't want to be you for that. <laughs> All right, in the very brief time we have, you have a favorite success story you want to tell us about? You know, I came in with a, a smaller group of students um, when I first started this job, and they were um, in fifth and sixth grade. And now seeing them as college students and they're back volunteering and they're donating. And even if it's five, ten dollars, that I mean, it wow tears me up every time I I see that happening. I love that they want to come back, that they want to have an impact on this next generation of students. And I, I, I think that that is amazing and that's what keeps me going. That's what keeps me motivated to keep pushing forward, potentially open new sites, um, but really just deeply invest in the families and students. I really believe in that family approach and model. Our team is amazing. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's the kids. All right, quickly, your website www.kidsonpoint.org. You've been listening to Energy Matters in the Classroom with Robin Berlinski. We hope you've enjoyed this episode. We'd love your feedback at thelearningring.com, where you can also reach out to Robin with questions or comments and even chances to win prizes. Lauren, thanks for joining us. Until next time.